This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Once you see it, uh, it's hard to not see it again. And so I'm going to talk about some a compliance issue in, in the workplace when providing an employee benefit plan. But the first thing I want to share with you is my, my first experience playing my first hockey game. I never grew up playing hockey, but uh, uh, I learned how to skate when um, my kids were going through it. I did not ice skate as a kid. I just basically picked it up because my kids got more involved. And then uh, I got into assistant coaching. Um, I call um, myself more of a puck pusher and a door opener, but that's about the extent of the work. But, you know, sometimes we draw plans and, uh, and get the kids to sweat a little bit and get a little bit better along the way. But um, I remember, um, you know, the first game, uh, the speed of the game was so fast, even though it, was, um, a, it wasn't even a rated co-ed, um, more like a men's league, but it's a co-ed one just, you know, the puck and the speed of the puck. And it gave me a lot more respect for the kids when I'm yelling at them on the other side of the glass that they missed the puck or they missed the, uh, you know, a turn or missed a player uh, playing defense, whatever it might be. And so uh, a little bit more respect. And as time goes on, the, the speed of the game slows down and you're able to see things. And then it's like, just pick up your head just slightly. And all of a sudden, everything becomes more clear. But over time, even though you play uh, a number of games and, you know, if I had to guess, you know, I'm probably almost 100 games in and uh, I never grew up playing hockey. So there's always something to learn, but it's, you never know when things um, pop out to you. And so uh, that's when once you see it, it's hard to unsee it. And even in the last game, there's a buddy of mine that maybe we'll get him on the podcast uh, at some point. Um, uh, they have a little counting firm, but you know, he was doing some maneuvers on the ice, was basically creating opportunities, which ended up uh, scoring. And I was like, why didn't I never see this before? Right. And certain things that he was doing was different um, than other people. And it wasn't like it was rocket science. It was basically going to open ice. But uh, and I'm summarizing in a very exaggerated way, um, but it was kind of like the stating the obvious when the obvious was there without knowing that it was that obvious. Right. And so so a lot of things happen like that in the workplace, and and hopefully with this podcast that you're listening to right now, that once I talk about some of this, that it pops out to you, and um, and it's more obvious going forward uh, than it was before, and so and that would be a positive outcome of this um, podcast. And uh, if you need any more information on this at the end, uh, just let me know. So. The one thing I'm going to go through is what is our role as an insurance broker? And then I'm going to lead into a compliance issue that um, needs to be addressed. And it always has been. And it's an issue because it causes fines, but also disgruntled employees because of lack of clarity. So our role as an insurance broker is not benefit administration um, from admin personnel work, or we're not attorneys and we're not payroll uh, and if you look at any definition, so if you call your insurance company and say, what is the role of my insurance agent? Um, they would actually reply back and said they would aid in plan designs and strategies. They would say, um, have knowledge in areas of compliance and regulations. It would, the rest of it would be assisting or helping employers, right? None of it is broker driven. It is an employer sponsored plan, not a broker sponsored plan. 
And I'm not saying that we're not willing to take the phone call and do administrative duties for you. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, there's obviously customer service um, is a definitely a key thing. So with any trade or product, there's always a customer service line where companies just say, you know what, that's fine. Just we'll take care of it. Don't worry about the cost. And that's essentially the same thing. What's happened, I would say, especially since COVID, and and this is why I feel like it's a hot topic to talk about, is that employers lean on us more than ever. And, and, and that's good. But for years, they've looked at us as a free service because we're compensated by the insurance company. And so free went to on demand uh, without compensation. And so we need to have very distinct clarity and we have to do a better job. So I'm going to walk through some things about clarity in a moment, but uh, us as brokers, as an industry, if you're listening to this podcast, we got to do a better job. Uh, Employers need to start signing agreements, but not necessarily from a contract uh, standpoint, but a scope of work is a better word for it. This is a scope of work and what we do. And then we could do these other items outside of this, but here's a fee uh, associated with it, or you could buy in, whatever. Some of them have membership models, uh, you know, uh, with and some of them, those have contracts. So uh, larger groups will have those contracts like uh, three years or even just even a 12 months so they know you're not going to go anywhere because they're investing time and energy and cost uh, into your company. You know, just so you uh, understand what our role is, because during like this last fourth quarter, um, so you're talking about 2022, going through open enrollment, setting things up. We were doing a lot more than we normally would have, and we've actually started pushing back. We ran out of time on a lot of things, and we started pushing back and saying, you know what, we need you to do this. Um, And some of them balked, and I'm like, look, at you have to have skin in the game. This is uh, technically an employer-sponsored plan, and we're running out of time over here, so we need you to do it, or we're just going to have to invoice you for it. And then, obviously, at that point, they're like, sure, what do I need? Even to the point where we actually had a couple employers. We we were switching products, and therefore, there's employer documentation and supporting documentation um, to verify that they're a company and they still exist that they wanted us to do. And I th- it's ridiculous, but that's what a couple of these accounts thought. They wanted us to fill out the form for them since we had most of the information. They wanted us to call, like one guy, he wanted us to call their CPA to get the supporting documentation. Like that is not our role, right? Um, it's gone a little bit too far. And I know most of my peers are talking about the same thing and we need to push it back um, and at least have clarity, right? Like just more expectations where it needs to be. So our, us brokers as an industry need to help fix that too. And so, um, because we can provide admin support, but well, you should, if you know about it going in advance, you could say, Hey, you know, j- just do it and just invoice me for it. It's fine. Right? Like at least they're aware of it. You know, obviously one of our roles is we, we need to obviously identify needs and goals of the company and we address those. So we go to the marketplace especially those who have more resources could help design and put together a strategy for to satisfy, you know, where you want to go. Right. So the most important thing is, you know, when, when, when you have a meeting with a broker is one is you got to be transparent and say, okay, what is your biggest goal? What, what is the ultimate end goal where you're trying to go? And the next question is what's holding you back, right? Like what's the challenges you run into? That's what we need to solve because your goal is your goal. Let's get you there, right? And there's roadblocks in between that you may not have all the resources for. So just like anything else, you hire consultants for that. 
And obviously, there was a compliance and regulation piece. Like, we know enough to be dangerous is what I always say. And so we have compliance checklists and say, hey, this is these are things you're supposed to do. The problem is employers ignore it until all of a sudden they have fire uh, going on and they have to, you know, comply. And sometimes it results in penalties because they didn't have it there. But we also, you know, assist with carrier selection. We help with some of the... Um, administrative part of it. And that's why a lot of us have went to electronic to help manage some of those applications better. Um, a lot of times we're not charging fees for that. We probably should, um, because if you went to your payroll company, they're charging you. And and it's unfortunate that we're in that position. We're giving away resources for free that are being charged elsewhere. So we provide that enrollment assistance. Um, sometimes we get involved with claim management. Sometimes an employee will have an issue with a claim and they eventually call our office and we provide some guidance. Sometimes, and that's why we just probably, we assist with them. We can't we can't do any claims. We're not, we don't have binding authority, and we don't have access to claims um, or claims department. Uh, but sometimes a five minute conversation with us will solve the problem or point you in the right direction that could have cost you a couple hours to go through. So just yesterday, in fact, it was more Medicare related. Through a connection we have, um, somebody um, was having an issue. They were kicked off of a retiree plan. And they were like, what do we do? Like, they tried to do some research. It didn't really pan out. And so I was able to provide a little bit of information that um, actually made a ton of sense to them. They just never thought about that. And they, um, to my knowledge, they made the phone call and everything's uh, fixed now. And so I'm not saying that I had the magic wand. I'm just saying sometimes a five-minute conversation could save you a long time's worth of work. And then also we're there to to help employers manage the renewals, make any changes, um, and then obviously any compliance that comes along with that. Uh, we do aid in some element of employee communication. We have systems that help communicate, and you you as the employer, HR, actually have access to it, so you could send out your own communication. You could build your own infrastructure. There's so many different ways that companies can um, could do it, and. You know, at the end of the day, it is an employer-sponsored plan. You have to take responsibility. And so, like, just like anything else, like you own a car, you don't want to pawn it off on somebody else that you're actually not paying direct fees to to manage that vehicle to make sure it's safe for you to go on the road. Uh, the same thing with the employer health plans or the benefit plans through the workplace is that there are certain things that need to be checked off. You need to take financial and um, investment, time investment and responsibility to manage that. It is an employer-sponsored plan. We're there to aid you and provide you the information, just like any other consultant. But at the end of the day, it's about you. Same thing if you hired a business consultant and said, hey, how do I generate more growth? How do I grow and become a company that we've never seen before in a much bigger light? Well, you're going to pay them for their time and resources and intellectual knowledge. And then guess who has to implement it? It's not them. In some cases, it can be. It can be outsourced to build build up uh, a department, build up software, and that's fine, right? That's part of the scope of work that we tried to discuss uh, earlier. But in other cases, where they provide you the tools, the resources, give you an actual playbook, a play-by-play book that you could go out there and say, okay, this is how you get from where you are today and where you want to go. And so guess who has to implement that? It's not them. And so, but again, it comes back to the scope of work. The problem in our industry, I think, is we never provided a scope of work. So it's kind of just morphed into what it is today. So we we provide all the A's and assistance. We could step in where needed, um, but you have to have an understanding of our uh, a role. And again, I'm not saying that 
you know, hey, I'm going to go do this myself and just call the carrier because you're going to put yourself in a bad situation. We have people out there that try to do that because they're like, well, the last insurance agent cost us tons of money because he did the wrong thing. Well, that happens in, you know, even with your car, you take it in for maintenance and it ends up costing you more than more than uh, you thought or more than it should have because of the incompetent mechanic that was working on your car. It happens, right? It's part of human life, right? People are uh, make mistakes. Some people lie about their or have lack of integrity about what their expertise are and so that becomes an issue when you're trying to get things done you have to have a little bit of faith that's why you need to have control you trust but verify you have conversations you pay for that time and then you kind of make your own decision but then you have to execute so let's talk about some compliance area so a lot of payroll companies take care of 125 documents. Some of the insurance companies take care of other compliance, and some insurance companies force you to make a compliance. Um, and you have no idea what you're doing. It's just telling you, hey, you need to push this little red button because we turned it on red. And then when you push the button, uh, it's going to ask you, hey, did you do this, this, and this? It'll be an action item list, and you take care of those. And then it'll ask you to hit the submit button that you had completed this. And then you're done, and you have no idea what you did. But they're still walking you through a compliance item to make sure it gets done. And one of the ones that are really overlooked, they just don't think about it. People are not asking about it. The only time it really comes up is when you have a Department of Labor complaint. And by that time, it actually may be too late, and you're penalized anyways. And so, and I know I talk about this on other um, podcasts, but I just figured I'd dive into it a little bit more. We're in the first quarter and we're uh, in February recording this. Get this done ASAP if you haven't done it already. If you haven't updated it in a while, definitely get it updated. And so, and have that conversation. Uh, it's an administrative document that actually a lot of brokers outsource to third-party administrators, um, but a lot of smaller companies you could actually do in-house. You have to have software. You have to have the right documentation. It has to be updated every single year. So another reason why employers should not be doing things on their own uh, in certain cases without guidance or consulting, because if you have an outdated document, you have a Department of Labor complaint, boom, it's another penalty because you aren't compliant. And so, yeah, it's a catch-22 all the time, but... We just have to kind of work with it because when you're providing a health insurance plan, you're not just satisfying the need of health insurance. You actually open up the door for so many other things that you have. The same thing by open up the door to become and put a stake in the ground and own your own business. All of a sudden you have a whole bunch of other stuff that whether it's easy or you don't even know about or it's hard, it has to be done. Right. And so like in. In the state of Illinois, I don't know all the regulations. We'll get a financial advisor on here to give us some more clarity on it. But um, they're, they're requiring that an employer provides access to a retirement plan. And the number of employees that it's required keeps dropping. So eventually all employers that have employees are going to have to provide a retirement plan available to them. They don't have to contribute, but they have to make it available. And so like it's just what we have to do. If you're going to open up the door um, and put a stake in the ground, the same thing is, you know, when you when you create a company, you have to create a uh, file, at least in the state of Illinois, you have to file annual reports with the state and pay them a franchise fees. You have to file your tax returns, right? Like these are just things you do in order to get there. And in providing health insurance, even if you're originally only starting a health plan to satisfy your family's needs, but if once you become make that move to... Um, do it in the workplace. You have to make it available to all employees that are eligible. Um, and it's based on a certain number of hours and being full time. And there's a list of things, but there's other things that go along with it. So that's why some employers are like, nope, no, nope, nope. I don't care how much the cost is. I am not providing a group benefit plan. 
and that's fine. But when you open that door, because it makes more sense to you, you opens up the door to make sure you match all these other things. So, so one is called an ERISA wrap doc. ERISA, ERISA is Employee, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. I think it was passed in the 70s. Don't quote me on that. But uh, it's been around a long time. So this is nothing new. Uh, nothing new in the last two decades, for that matter. And so it provides guidance and uh, requirements for benefit plans and 401ks and pension plans and you know the welfare plans. There's a whole list of things. Unless you're part of a governmental office or a church, and I'm summarizing here, so don't quote me on those qualifications. Everybody else is uh, required to be ERISA compliant. And so um, just because you're a small employer and you're like, I don't know what ERISA is, that means that I shouldn't be have to worry about it. Well, that's not true because unless you're really a government entity or a church, you do com- have to comply. Part of that is you have to include maintaining records and providing certain documentation and disclosures to the participants of the plan, um, you know, so your employees uh, in a nutshell. We have to have access to that. So whether you do paper or electronic, and I'm telling you a lot of times electronic is easier. If you have a disgruntled employee and you need to look up something, it's so so much easier to type that, their name into a search, into a software, and pull up, okay, they were on this plan, this is what happened, then we had an open enrollment. We have employers that use electronic platform for us, and they just want, oh, my employee told me that he's just waiving coverage. Well, okay, well, I'll print that out and put it in an employee in the record, so that way if he thought uh, or ends up in a car accident or has a health condition, and he files a Department of Labor complaint thinking he had health insurance and he didn't. Um, you have to validate that you either, one, well, one, made an offer, and two, that they waived the coverage or took the coverage. And so it's just about pr- proper um, records. So, like, the wing it at open enrollment or when a new hire is not going to um, pay off in the long run if you have a problem. And we all know when we hire employees, in the beginning, everything's blissful. When things start getting, you know, deeper into the work and, uh, it could be frustrating or they're having problems at home and all of a sudden the problems come to work, like the list goes on. Um, so if you've been an employer for a while, you know that there could be issues on both sides and that could create problems. And obviously the Department of Labor is going to side with the employee initially at least and until they do their investigation. So anyhow, my whole point is have records um, and make sure and that includes the employee benefit program and how you're documenting things and how you're enrolling and disenrolling people. Another one's COBRA compliance. Well, small employers under 20 employees have to do state continuation in most states. Not all states have it. Like the state of Indiana doesn't have state continuation, to my knowledge, but uh, they have COBRA. Uh, COBRA is 20 or more, though. And so that's one distinction that's definitely needs to be clear is if you're more than 20, you're COBRA compliant. 19 and under are state continuation if it's available. Not all plans do uh, comply with state uh, continuation, Um, so you have to be aware of that on the health plan that you have. So there's disclosures that have to be given for COBRA, as well as continuation of coverage when they get hired or during the open enrollment, depending on what you decide to do as HR. Um, And every company does it a little bit different, but there are requirements that are in place that need to be taken care of. Other ones, HIPAA, you have to comply with it's called health insurance portability and accountability uh it's protecting the privacy of the employee's information based on job or benefit selections and administration so those are things that you have to tackle it's just another thing that you have to worry about and this is part of the department of labor issues um obviously a fair labor standards act um so hr would be involved here because this is complying with 
offering of benefits. Um, so who's eligible, who's not, PTO tracking, sick time, and the list goes on. And then you have to administer it, administer it in a non-discriminatory manner. So employers try to be creative with this, especially when offering benefits, because they're like, well, I don't want to offer it to Johnny over there because I don't like him or he's in the warehouse. Well, you can't just wing it, right? You have to have outlines. You have to make sure you're compliant because you may not be able to do that at all. In other cases, you could carve out classes, but again, you have to be very careful on how you do this. And obviously hiring a consultant or a benefits broker um, that have some type of inside knowledge on this um, will be helpful to make the accurate decisions for your business and what you're trying to do. The notices, those are the disclosures that's required. Uh, some of the health plans, they have to give out the plan, or all plans have to give out a plan summary um, at, regardless. And some people think that meets the wrap document. It does not. Um, it's part of it, but it's not the full amount. Part of the Affordable Care Act, you have to put send out what they call the SBCs, and uh, summary of benefit coverage, I think it stands for. And um, that's in addition to the plan summaries that you have to put in a wrap document. So there's a number of things that go involved there. When you get to a certain point in your business, it's easier just to hire a third-party administrator and just say, just tell me what I need to do. In the beginning, you're going to be piecemealing it probably with your broker. Your broker may be doing a lot of this in-house when you're smaller, and that's fine. You just have to work with them through the checklist. And then yeah, financial or fiduciary responsibilities. By providing a health plan, um, you you have to act in the best interest of your participants in the plan to manage it. Otherwise, otherwise there could be some issues with the Department of Labor. This is not the broker's responsibility, it's an employer responsibility. So make sure you know what you're getting into when you're providing a health plan. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing, weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, Forget it, nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zmar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zmar to work for you now. So let's dive into the risk of wrap document a little bit more. So it's technically a master plan document that has to be at the worksite and available at least on demand. Uh, you could provide access to your employees either through your HRIS system or your Ethernet internally where they, you have employee documentation um, that they have access to. So it's, it's a formal document to explain what's going on, how you're eligible for it. So that way it's clear. They, they give them an opportunity to read it. They may not, but that's okay. You're doing your part. It outlines terms and conditions and provisions of, of the plan that um, are a, that per, how participants can participate in the plan. So your employee base, what, what determines eligibility and how based on contribution levels or plan access and so on and so forth. Legal requirements. An ERISA wrap document must comply with legal requirements with the ERISA, the Department of ERISA, and IRS, um, which um, 
provides certain guidelines that are required. So that's why you have to have the right templates that get updated every year. You have to make sure the wording is in there. Otherwise, you have a legal um, obligation to do so, but otherwise you'll have an issue there. Inside the wrap document, you'll have to have the plan's purpose, eligibility requirements, contribution limits, and vesting schedules and distribution distribution options. So like paper versus electronic and so on and so forth. Um, it's outlined in there. So you can't just wing a benefit plan. It's got to be formal, um, especially when, when you deal with employees. Um, they don't always get all the information the same as you do. Uh, they're there for a job, they get paid, they go home, they got family to support, they got other things on their mind, and they're going to miss a lot of this. So you have to do your part to make sure that it's available and um, provide it to them so that they have a clear understanding. You have to maintain this document annually and it has to be updated because, like I said, the wording changes, your plans changes, contribution model changes, a number of things changes. That's why it's required to get it updated every year. You have to make it available to your employees so they um, have access to it anytime they need to. Um, it could be part of your enrollment documents or part of your employer portal uh, where the employees have access to it. When you're a larger employer, it may be, make more sense to uh, coincide with the benefits broker um, because you want them involved because they're going to have most of the documentation that's needed for the, the wrap document. But you may want to consult and retain a ERISA attorney, attorney um, and they'll work with the insurance broker on, um, to get all the documentation and put in place. Because when things are standardized, and I wouldn't say cookie cutter, but when when things aren't so complex and you're providing an employer benefit plan, even if you have hundreds of employees, uh, it could probably be done by a third-party administrator or through the broker because they'll either hire a third-party administration or, or we have access to software that we could we essentially white label. Um, and so it's the same thing as a third-party administrator depending on risk tolerance of the, uh, the broker uh, or consultant. Um, but otherwise, uh, small groups could actually consult with an attorney if they choose to. It gets expensive for smaller companies, but if it's more complex or larger companies, they definitely need uh, have guidance of a risk attorney with their broker. Make sure you always included the the benefits um, broker, um, consultant, or advisor, because again, the attorney is going to need access to certain things, and you need to loop your uh, benefits guy. And your attorney is not going to know anything about benefits necessarily. He knows about the subject matter. He knows what their job related to providing a benefit plan, but uh, they still need access to the specifics of your current one. Uh, one thing I want to note is the employee handbook is not necessarily a full requirement, uh, but inside the employee handbook outlines a lot of these things that are required. And so you might read somewhere, well, I didn't need a handbook. Well, that may be true, but the items in the handbook are a requirement. And so it's a double-edged sword. You need to have the employee handbook. When we have Department of Labor complaints for some of our clients, that's one of the, uh, they ask for a risk of wrap document and they ask for the employee handbook and they need to match. And so match based on who's eligible and contribution levels and whatnot. So what are the repercussions of not doing the ERISA wrap document? There definitely are fines that could be anywhere from several hundred to several thousand dollars. Um, uh, you could actually lose the tax benefit of providing a health insurance plan for your company. Um, and so this is important because you might be able to lose the ability to get your own health insurance to the workplace. And there's a lot of benefits for even for the employer to do that if you own the company. You may lose the plan qualification. So in order for a group benefit plan uh, to be provided, most of them comply with 
the ERISA requirements of a benefit plan. And so you may be considered not qualified anymore, even though you offer that benefit, which which could violate some a number of other laws, such as the Affordable Care Act and larger employers. Litigation, employees and plan participants may bring legal action against an employer for failure to provide the RAP document, which results in, obviously, cost, right? And reputation can be damaged. And that's an issue because most employees do not know about the RAP document. It only takes one, though, just one. And, and it could close your doors because the fines are too heavy, but it also could... You know, be harder to hire somebody, especially if it's on public record. It may also give the Department of Labor more reason to audit further. So just because of one item, they may go through other things. And I am telling you that everybody's human and they miss things, whether it's intentional or not. And if that gets to the point, Department of Labor is going to find other things would amount to other penalties and fines. So most employers don't have an ERISA wrap document. Uh, They just kind of wing it and it may have been brought up even our own clients they just kind of like yeah how much does that cost yeah well i got away with it for 20 years so far uh, i'm just going to keep going right and so um that's an issue but um most employers get away with it and that's why they're able to keep doing what they're doing so most employers even even larger companies several hundred employees or even more um, may not have the wrap document Sure, there's fines involved, but I tell you, the first and foremost, you, uh, the issue is going to be is clarification with your employees. You need to provide clear guidance on what's available, how it's available, how much they're going to pay for it, or how much you're paying for it. This clarifies a lot of things and cleans things up based on you know, an employee that's working for you or soon to be hired. That way they know what they're getting into, they know what the terms are, they know eligibility in case they become ineligible for it or how much you're paying for it. Because a lot of times in these small employers, it becomes unclear and that's that's an issue. And then that one results in complaints inside the workplace, which is like cancer and spreads through all the other employees. But then that could then lead to the complaint to the Department of Labor. So um, it's worthwhile for the investment um, for providing the documentation and getting it updated every year. I'm telling you, especially from the employer level, usually it's under $2,000, especially for larger companies. A lot of smaller companies are definitely under uh, $1,000. And it's a small investment to avoid the aggravation later. And so, and I, and of course, those are rough estimates and are subject to change. Um, and as of right now, 2023, but I mean, you could you could probably wing it and get a, a super generic document that may be outdated for like two or three hundred dollars, but just buyer beware. Um, but anyhow, so if you need more information on this, contact our office. You know, five minutes with us could save you hours worth of work.